Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Master Books podcast. Today, I have a special guest with us. Joe Bonzel of the Oak Ridge Boys is here. He wrote the book, G.I. Joe and Lily. This book is about his parents, about their service during World War II, about the love and the loyalty and the sacrifices that they made. And today we get to talk about that together. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. I'll be giving away a copy of this book in uh, the digital form of the book in the Moms of Masterbooks Facebook group, as well as the Masterbooks app. You can find a link to order the book in our show notes, and you can also find a look inside a free PDF download so you can taste, get a sample of the book before you buy it. So also I wanted to share with you that before my podcast starts with Joe Bonzel, I have the sweetest videos to share with you, or maybe if you're listening to this, you're seeing that you're listening to the audio of two different families giving a salute to fallen soldiers and to Joe Bonzel's family. So happy Memorial Day to all of you who are listening. Thanks for joining in. Here at Masterbooks, we are dedicated to help you disciple your children and develop a strong faith as a family. With pro-Bible homeschool curriculum and beautiful books that honor God as creator. We offer online courses to help your family worship and serve God. You will also find morning baskets and devotionals for the whole family. Our mission is ink on paper to touch eternity, and we have been publishing Christian books for this purpose since 1975. Find your Pro Bible Homeschool curriculum at masterbooks.com. We are the Clark Kids. On this Memorial Day, we like to thank all the brave men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country and freedom. And we pray for their family and loved ones. God bless you. Thank you, Mr. Bonzo, for sharing the incredible, inspiring story of your parents, G.I. Joe and Lily. G.I. Joe was part of the 90th Infantry, fought at Deep Sky. He gave no thought to his own safety and later saved his entire platoon from German soldiers. We were astonished with Lily's work with the Women's Army Corps. She showed such compassion and love for the wounded soldiers. Thank you to all military families and soldiers who paid the ultimate sacrifice for freedom here at home and around the world. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thank you, Jennifer. It's an honor to be with you today. And I, I sure appreciate New Leaf and Master Books and all that you're doing. And it's an honor to talk to you. Thanks. Well, what a treat for all of us to have an author that is someone who's so well-known, has done such a great job honoring our country with your songs, honoring your parents with this book. And I'm excited to share with everybody a little bit about you and your story and why you chose to write your parents. Why did you choose to honor your parents this way in writing this book? Well, thank you, Jennifer. Thank you very much. I've been very fortunate. You know, this year, the Oak Ridge Boys, the four of us have been singing together for 50 years. It's crazy. 50 years is amazing. I joined, I joined the Oaks in October of 1973. I was 25 years old. I'm about to turn 75 and I'm still an Oak Ridge Boy. So. That's amazing. What a legacy. Yeah, it's my day job. <laughs> 
Right, writing it. Writing is. Uh, I do enjoy writing, though. I really do. I'm. I'm working on a new book right now. I don't know where it's going for sure, but yeah, I, I've written ten books. That is amazing. And I was reading the foreword by Barbara Bush of this book, GI Joe and Lily, which you told me earlier. This is the twentieth anniversary year of you writing that book, and she just went on and on about what an incredible writer and singer you are. So thank you. I echo what she said. Thank you for sharing your talent in both ways. Yes, ma'am. Well, thank you. It was a great experience knowing the Bushes. The Oak Ridge Boys and the Bushes were pretty close. In fact, we sang at George Bush's funeral. Yeah, and she talked about how it made her cry and remembered things about her own life. Yes. So I that was pretty that. cool. That was, that was very cool to, for me and my parents, actually. Yeah. Well, tell us, tell us about your parents and their story and why you wrote about them. Okay, well, uh, <clears throat> Daddy was a, was a hero in World War II. Daddy was there on the first round of D-Day at 19 years old. He hit Utah Beach. He won a Bronze Star. He was awarded a Bronze Star. You don't win. Right. He awarded, was awarded a Bronze Star for, 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 the, for whatever he did on Utah Beach. And then 51 days in, he got hit hard at St. Lowe, France, taking out machine gun nests on his own and got shot up really big time oh. from, from the middle of his back all the way down his leg down to it, shot his toes off. And... Um, when he came home, when they when they sent him home, he had the silver star, the bronze star, and a purple heart, and he's buried at Arlington today because of that. Mm. Well, my 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 mother was a woman's army corps whack, and I tell her story how she come to be a woman's army corps, uh, and everything in the book. But she was escorting wounded home from the front okay. after the war was over, and she met him, and there he was in his wheelchair all alone. And she went up and started talking to him. And she thought he looked like a movie star. Really? That she fell in love with him at the moment. But I got to tell you, and I wrote about this too. My mother loved the soldiers, man. My mother was a patriot. She cried when a flag went by. Really? I was so inspired by my mother growing up because of her love for this country and because of daddy. And she would always say to me, and daddy had a stroke at age 39. That's in the book too. Okay. And she looked after, there was a piece of shrapnel stuck in his carotid artery and damaged his brain. So his whole left side was gone, his speech was gone, and she looked after him till the day he died. That's mostly what the book is about. The beginning's about the war and meeting, the rest of it's about family and growing up, and Joey growing up there, and mm -hmm. with her looking after him, and, and till the eventually when they moved into the veterans home, which is what she wanted at the end. She, she fell in love with him, and I think in so doing, I think fell in love with all of them. My mother loved the soldiers, man. She just loved what they were doing and coming, these guys coming in with limbs missing and shell shocked, as they called it back in them days, PTSD, uh, blinded, mm -hmm. guys that couldn't hear. She just fell in love with all of them. And I think when she married my father, in essence, she married all of them. Oh, that's <laughs> I sweet. I really do. I've always yeah. thought So, so it's, it's, it's a great story. And it was kind of neat to be able to tell it from the standpoint of the son. I go yeah. back and forth in both of their lives. I write about him and his life growing up joining the army all the way through D-Day. I write about her growing up in North Carolina, eventually joining the WAX. And then when they met, I write about the two of them together from there on in. So it was, uh, it's been the best-selling book I've ever had. I mean, I think, I think it sold close to a quarter of a million copies. And for an author that's like not Stephen King or somebody, you know, mm -hmm. it's pretty big. Yeah, and you have a song to go with it. That helps promote it as well. Yes, I actually wrote the song first. I was uh, reading that. Yeah, in the beginning of the book there, it tells the story of the, of the veterans at the Oak Ridge Boys. Well, you know, I, one thing I really wanted in this book was for 
if the old World War II guys, and there's not many of them left now, but if they read the book, they would say, well, this kid got it right. <laughs> he got it right. Yeah, I love I, that you included pictures as well. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing makes you really pay attention to what has happened in that generation, what happened in our country, what happened to the world. You know, it makes you pay attention to people that these were real people who fought, that your mom was a real person who dealt with the aftermath of your dad that dealt with the aftermath of such a war. That's true. And and she dealt with it forever. And her line was, and it's in the intro, he fought the war. I won't throw him away like an old shoe. And she would always she would always teach me to honor God, to honor my country, to honor the flag. And she'd point at him in his wheelchair and say, that's why guys like him did what they did. So don't blow it. Yes. And, and, wow. and I've, never, I've never blown it because of guys like him. According mm-hmm. to her mother. So, right. Your own dad. Yeah. Well, so many people when I was reading the reviews of what people loved about your book, so many people talked about the unselfish dedication of your parents and you've touched on that a little bit, but tell us a little more, um, more stories about how they modeled that and how it impacted your life. I was 15 years old working for a veterinarian. I once wanted to be a veterinarian. I couldn't do it for several reasons. One, we didn't have the money for college. Mm-hmm. And two, I, I just really wasn't smart enough. <laughs> I, ch- I changed all my high school courses to college courses and flunked out of most of them. I just, you know, algebra, calculus, trigonometry, languages. I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. My mind was, my mind was on music. I wanted to sing, you know, and uh, I'd be sitting in geometry class instead of learning about trapezoids, I'd be drawing stage plots (laughs) and and tour buses with guys' heads looking out the window. I wanted to be in a quartet and sing, you know, so I was 15 working at the vet when I got a phone call that daddy had got hurt at work. He was working for American Steel Engineering at the time as a maintenance man electrician. And they said they found him slumped over a machine and they and they rushed him to the hospital. And my mother was on her way to the hospital and a neighbor was coming by to pick me up and take me to the hospital. Okay. We didn't realize at that point that he'd had a stroke. We just thought he was injured somehow, maybe maybe electrocuted, something. Mm-hmm. And um turned out that he that he had a debilitating stroke and they took him then to Coatesville, Pennsylvania, to the veterans hospital there where he spent almost a year trying to rehabilitate him. And they sent him from there to the veterans hospital in East Orange, New Jersey, from there Mm -hmm. to the veterans hospital in Wilmington, Delaware, and finally said, we can't do no more for him and sent him home. So my mother and I back in those days, and I had my little sister too, we would drive to see him all the time. And I had just learned, I was only 16 by then, and I had just learned to drive and I had his old Ford station wagon, which, you know, but my mother and I and my sister would drive to Coatesville, PA, we'd drive to Wilmington, and everything was to go see him and to to, to try to encourage him. And sometimes he didn't even know who we were. He was so kind of like out of it. We knew he was really hurt bad. Mm-hmm. We knew that. And when he came home, I mean, in the beginning, he could kind of walk a little bit with the, with a cane and his arm in a sling and, and his leg in a brace. And but after a while, he, he couldn't do that either. It was it was a wheelchair for, 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 for the rest of it. I see. But my mother looked after him until the day they were in the veterans hospital together, the veterans home together. Mm-hmm. She just never let it go. It was it was him. He, he came first and her kids came first. And that's the kind of woman she was. Mm-hmm. And the book is really more her book, I think, than his because she was such a force. And if you if you ever met anybody that knew my mother, they would say to this day they never met anybody like her. Really? 
And I've been around the world, man. I've been singing on stage for 50 years with a, with a major act. Yeah. I've never, I've never met anybody like her. Not really? Even, not even. She's her own woman. Yeah. She, she was something that the energy, the, 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 the drive, mm -hmm. the, the, the caring, the patriotism, the love in her heart. Mm -hmm. She was just something else, man. She really was. And she had written down a bunch of notes through the years of her life, meeting daddy, her life growing up. I might could, my sister found all of her notes up oh. a, a, in a box yeah. and sent them to me. So mommy helped me write the book. It's her oh. book. It's yeah. her book. It's and there's a picture book. of her in her uniform in the book. I loved seeing her. She was a whack, baby. She was a whack. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she rests with him at Arlington. Let me tell you something cool about about Arlington. You know, Daddy was buried there, obviously, when he passed first. He, he died in January of 2001. Mommy passed in October. And like I said in the book, I don't know how she lasted that long without him, to be honest. Really? But the tombstone, if you ever see the military tombstones, I know you have, says Joseph S. Bonzel, U.S. Army, uh, Purple Heart, Silver Star, Bronze mm -hmm. Star. And... Months later, when mommy passed away, she was buried there with him. They always put the wife's name on the back of the tombstone, and they did hers. It, it usually will say, Lily M. Bonzel, wife. That's all they ever say. Uh -huh. But mommy's, mommy said, Lily M. Bonzel, Corporal, U.S. Army. Oh, I love it. <laughs> she would have loved it. She, yes. she would have just loved it. And, uh, you know, they, I'm sorry. Oh. They rest the day in that sacred ground, mm -hmm. and they both really deserve to be there. You know, sure. they just do. My, my my daddy for what he did, he mm -hmm. never called himself a hero. He only talked about the war a couple of times to me. I wrote about him. He only told me after several beers. Mm -hmm. You know, late, could, at night, yeah. late, late at night, maybe some, you know, back in the early days in his early thirties before the stroke, mm -hmm. um, he drank too much. But when he did, he would talk to me about the war. Mm -hmm. And he'd tell me, son, you're never, I'll tell you the greatest thing about this book. And I don't know if a lot of people really notice it, but he always told me, there'll always be another war, son, because there's always another war. And they'll want you. But I'm telling you right now, you'll never see that hell. They'll take me before they ever take my son. Wow. So he loved you so You'll never see that hell. Mm -hmm. And ironically, it was his stroke that kept me from going to Vietnam. Oh, my goodness. He, I know he didn't plan it that way. Right. But my mother and I appeared before the draft board, and my mother stood up. I was with her. And we were down on Kensington Avenue in Philly in my old neighborhood, a place where I wouldn't go now. It's so bad up there. But we met with the draft board, and my mother said that his daddy has given enough to this country. I need my son home to help me take care of him. Mm -hmm. Don't take my son. And she sat down and they went 3A, he ain't going. Wow. I was considered sole support or something like that. I don't remember the mm -hmm. exact term, but I was able to then stay home and help my mom right. with my father. And he kept his promise. I, you know, I'm sure yeah. that's not the way he planned it, like I say, but he kept his promise because I never saw that hell. Well, the Lord maybe honored his declaration of protection over you in that way. And then you've served your country by singing their song and writing this book. And I'm sure in many other ways you've served it. But 
you you are still providing a service 20 years later in this book. Well, I try my best always to honor veterans. The Oak Ridge boys always have. And mm -hmm. it's a joy to have them at the show. It's funny, you know, when they used to say, well, there's a bunch of old veterans here that want to meet the Oak Ridge boys. And they used to be all World War II guys. Now they're Vietnam guys and they're the same age as we are. And, you know, we're no mm -hmm. young cookies anymore. Right. I'll, you know, I'll be 75. And my three partners, my singing partners, all are in their 80s now. Okay. Which is crazy. Which is, We're insane. We just don't know how to slow down. Or even <laughs> I'm stop. glad you're we not stopping. We don't know how to stop. We don't even know how to slow down. But the um, yeah. fact of the matter is just that... Uh, most of the guys, like I say, that we meet now that are veterans are usually old Vietnam guys, and, and, and they're our age. Because most of the kids in my neighborhood went, and we lost mm -hmm. a few. We, we yeah. lost several, and a few came back kind of crazy. I remember a kid named Charlie Nelson, good friend of mine growing up. He, he came back and committed suicide. Oh. So my daddy, yeah, did me a, my daddy did me a great service, and yes, I believe the Lord had a huge hand in it. Yes, mm -hmm. he did. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the Lord, I'm very curious about um, this. your answer to this question. I was okay. thinking about how your parents, in the light of who knew them at the time of their entering the service, getting married, they probably seemed like ordinary human beings. They were ordinary human beings. But we know, according to the Bible and the miracles that we've seen, God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things to show himself, to reveal himself so as you think about your parents and, and their legacy, which people in the Bible, which ordinary people that God used from the, our, you know, historical account of biblical history, would you relate them to? Well, that's a tough one because there's just so many ordinary people in the Bible. And it was unique how the Lord, how Jesus, you know, called ordinary people to come and serve. You know, he called a fisherman, a tax collector, you know, all these different people from different walks of life. And he does that today. He does that today. And I don't think any of us really know for sure what his plan is. We pray for it and we, we ask for his guidance and his help. He provides it in many different ways. But we are all called upon to do things for him. Just like those chosen disciples in the Bible. Uh, just, just like people like, say, Joshua. You know, Joshua was a soldier and he was he was an ordinary guy. I mean, he was just he was just old Josh, you know, but yeah. God called him to do incredible things. And uh, and he did them mm -hmm. and did them with his heart and with his soul and did them with, right. everything, with great everything, faith. fiber of his being. He put into yeah. it. And um, we all need to strive to be that today if we can. I mean, you know, we live in a day and age right now that's so it seems like so many people are so far away from from the teachings of Christ and, the, and, and mm -hmm. what God would have for us. I think that God might be just sitting back. Wait, I don't know what he's doing. You know, it's his will. But, you know, sitting back, looking down at us sometimes, he's shaking his head and going, look at where these people are going. And um, we, we need a rebirth. We need a revival in this country. And um, I see it coming. Yeah. yeah. I think it's coming. I'm very positive about it. I, I, I think the Lord's still working today. And uh, I, I can see people. I see it in music. I see it in with some different preachers that I know very well, and mm -hmm. I see their com their commitment, mm -hmm. and I and I see books like GI Joe and Lily and like others that are coming out. I th I think revival's coming. I really yeah. do. It has to. It has to. And it starts with us, and it matters what we read. It matters who we worship and adore. It matters what we read, what we put on the inside of us. And I'm thankful that you've given us the opportunity to 
look at a family of faith, you know, to look at a family who laid down their life for their country, which is such a beautiful um, gospel message, you know? Well, I got to tell you, my mother was a down on your knees praying person. Was she? There was nothing like being in the middle bedroom where I slept, where me and my sister slept for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I could hear my mother praying every night. Oh. You know that old song, if I could hear my mother pray again? Mm. I, 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 uh, I still need to record that wonderful old song sometime. Yeah. Because you could hear her pray. She, she whispered her prayer kind of like she would pray like this right here. And you could hear her. Yeah. And she'd pray for her children. She'd pray for, for the country. She'd pray for my daddy. Mm. And I'll tell you what, when you're a kid growing up, and you're wondering what's going to go on, or you're growing up in a city like that where there's a lot of things pulling at you from different directions. Mm -hmm. When you hear your mother praying for you down on her knees in the next bedroom, you know that everything's going to be okay. Oh, I love that. Well, there's there's so much to a mother's prayers. And in fact, Tim Dudley, who you mentioned before, mm -hmm. who was the owner of New Leaf Publishing Group for so long, his legacy is about his mother praying and he, her knowing that he was to take over the publishing company when his father suddenly passed away. So there's a lot to that. But back to the biblical story, the biblical, um, the person in the Bible that I think of when I think of your parents is Gideon. And as I was reading the beginning of the book that talks about like where your dad grew up and the what the household was like and how there was 20 feet between the front door and the railroad tracks and, you know, and, and just the chaos and stuff. I was thinking about Gideon and how he was in this low place hiding and, you know, during a famine and threshing and, you know, getting wheat down in the cellar and the Lord met him in that place and brought him out and declared who he was, that he was a mighty warrior and your dad's story isn't exactly like Gideon's, but your dad became a mighty warrior, even though he came from such a simple, low, chaotic, you know, situation. Right. God can and will do that with anyone. And I, I love that part of the story that your dad's legacy, what he did, you know, maybe was a short number of years of his service before his stroke. And then he was needed to be cared for. Then somebody else, your mom became the warrior. And, you know, not that she wasn't before, but she warred for him and for your family and took care of him. And so many people who watch um, and listen to this podcast are homeschool moms and they are warring for their family. They are raising up world changers because they are teaching them the word of God and, and showing them that simple, ordinary people can be used by God to do extraordinary things like your parents and like you. And like Gideon, that's a great analogy, actually. And um, uh, I, I was I was thinking about that as you were as you were speaking. And, you know, me and my dad still had a lot of great memories when I was when I was younger. You know, we both shared our love for baseball. OK, and daddy loved the Phillies. He loved to boo the Phillies. I was always mad at him sitting. We'd go down to Connie Mac Stadium and watch the Phillies play. And I'm just a little kid, you know. And I, yeah, you know, I still, last night, just last night, I watched the Phillies and the Dodgers late at night. And I thought about little Joey in his bedroom with his little transistor radio Aww. that his mother bought him. It was a little, about the size of a pack of cigarettes, right? Remember those? You don't. 
And I had the little thing in my ear. And when the Phillies would go to the West Coast and play like the Dodgers or the San Francisco Giants after they moved out there, the San Diego Padres, I would listen to that game because it was on late at night in Philly because we're on Eastern time, they're Western time. Game mm-hmm. didn't come on until 10 o'clock. Okay. So, so I would lay in bed and listen. And he would open the door and say, turn that thing off and get to sleep. <laughs> he always knew I was listening. My mother didn't. Right. She came in to check on me. I pretend I'd be asleep. She just walked back out. But daddy would always <laughs> challenge me. Hey, turn that thing off. Go to sleep. That's fine. <laughs> so, you know, we had great times going to see the going to see the Phillies play. You know, my mom set up all that thing with the veterans home. She wanted them to end their life there. And besides, the neighborhood was getting bad. No matter how much money I put into that house, mm-hmm. I put a nice security system in there. The neighborhood was still going bad. And you talk about parents at home. God bless them trying to get their kids a good education and sacrificing to do it. Mm-hmm. We saw some of that in the pandemic, but we're seeing it now for different reasons Yeah, because the schools aren't teaching correctly right now. We've got, right. I don't even want to get into it, but you know what's going on. But parents now that are taking up that mantle to educate their kids at home and teach them what's right and teach them about America and teach them about God and, and, and teach them the reading, writing and arithmetic. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and true history, unedited history. And yes. thank you for giving us a piece of the world's history through the eyes of your family. And one of the things that I've really, um, the themes that I've taken away from your book is unity. When I was reading about just, just there was just like one little paragraph that jumped out at me talking about how they all came together to help the nation win the war. Everybody had their part, even if they were younger, they were either serving or they were working in the hospital or they were working in the ammunition, you know, like everybody had a job and everybody was, they were fighting to bring their guys home. And it unite, even though it was war and destructive, it united the nation in a way that was beautiful. And I, I hope that I mean, unity is from God, right? (laughs) Unity over the right things. And um, if we're all lined up with the Lord, we're going to find our place where we line up with each other. And um, that that's one of the things I see in the book. What about you? What are what's a theme that you hope people read this book and take with them? and, And it changes the way people think about themselves, about the Lord, about our country. Well, something we went into earlier is about extraordinary people doing ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. That's what World War II was all about to me. I mean, okay. th- these young boys, I mean, again, daddy was 19 over there, 19 years old. When I was 19, I don't think I knew anything. Yeah. <laughs> and daddy was over there fighting for his life and those around him and for the freedom of this country against the totalitarianism uh-huh. governments. And, and, and he was given everything he had over there at 19 years old. Mm. You know, for instance, the hedgerow fighting. When they got to the hedgerows, and they couldn't get through the hedgerows. What happened? A bunch of guys from the middle of America decided to take take tanks and put big uh, things that you would uh, on the front that you would um, use here in farming or in uh, or clearing snow. Mm-hmm. I, I can't think of the word. To, to like describe. a front end loader or a bulldozer. Yeah, like a bulldozer front. Put mm-hmm. these on the front of the tanks and the trucks and blow through those hedgerows. Mm-hmm. That was our young American farmer guys. Just yeah. come up with this. You know what I mean? Okay. It, it ordinary men doing extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that um, 
what I what I really see people getting out of this book, I think is mostly my mother's love for God and Jesus Christ and her love for this country and her her love for her kids. Yes. Everything else came secondary to my mom. Mm -hmm. And she, she was an extraordinary person. She wouldn't call herself that at all, but she was. Mm -hmm. I remember my mother working three jobs at Christmas time just to help put Christmas, make Christmas happen. Wow. After daddy had a stroke, mom raised us, man. She, sure, it was all on her. It was all on her. When he was in the hospital, when he came home, mm -hmm. in older age, he had a hospital bed right there in the living room. She looked after him. She made his food. She helped him go to the bathroom. She bathed him. She took care of him every single day. She was his caregiver because mm -hmm. she wouldn't throw him away like an old shoe. Right. Okay. That was my mother. We need more people like Lily. Yes. And I hope that Lily inspires every woman listening today that what you're doing at home, the sacrifices you're making at home to disciple your children, to love and honor your husband, to go without so that you can do this thing called homeschool. We really honor, we want to honor what you are doing for our country, for the future of our country by investing in these children, putting the word of God in them through our homeschool curriculum by reading great books like G.I. Joe and Lily to the family, to your family, and making sure that you are united together as a family with the word of God and with his people. Well, you know, it's kind of strange here lately. I uh, I picked this book up and read it. I hadn't read it in years. Yeah. I read it all the way through cover to cover as if I didn't write it. Oh, you know? me. <laughs> Just kind of going through it and, and seeing how it was put together and how it was edited, you know, it's, it's a process to work, to write a book. You sure. write everything down, you go back over it, you try to fix, you try to make things better, you go back over it again and again and again, and then some editor comes along and ruins the whole book, <laughs> which is what happened the first editing job of this book. I, I totally read the book and thought, she took a lot of stuff out of there that's very important. I, and I, I remember going to, to, to you know Ken at the time and saying, this ain't, this ain't it. Okay. And he said, well, well, well let's, uh, let's start over. And he had another editor. And the only thing the new editor did was to break it down into little pieces. I see. If you noticed, you know, there's little, uh -huh. every couple of pages, there's Life Interrupted, My Hero, Don't Take My Son, Lily's Right, Kids. subtitles. Little mm -hmm. subtitles all the way through. And I thought that made it easier to read. It does. I like that. And, yeah. uh, and I said, yay. And they didn't take out, like the first editor took out all the war parts. Oh. So I, don't think, I don't think people need to be reading about that. So, well, I uh -huh. that's that's what the story is. That's well, that's the truth. We can hide and I'm guilty of that. I can hide from the hard things. And I think part of part of what could be at work against our country is this sense of comfort and this sense of I don't want to know the hard things. I just need to feel good. I need to feel comfortable. I need to be at peace and calm. And reading about war is not peaceful. But it's truth. And if we know about war, then we can know what to do when war comes our way. We have to learn history to learn from history. And so we'll be blindsided and we'll be duped by the enemy that comes to steal, kill and destroy if we don't know the things we need to know. And so I'm grateful that that information stayed in the book. Well, thank you, ma'am. That was very well put, Jennifer. Uh, that was very well put. Have you written any books? I have actually. I figured because you <laughs> sound like a writer. You sound like well, you, you could put you, things down. Thank you. You are an excellent writer. I really was while I was reading and I thought, man, this guy can 
right. You did a great job. I'm glad they put all that stuff back in the, in the book. Well, you know what I did? It was kind of unique. After I was commissioned to give New Leaf a book, uh -huh. okay, and, and, and Ken came up with the third person idea, what I did was I collected everything I could that had to do with daddy and mommy. Okay. Everything that I had, my mother's notes, photos, daddy and mommy's war records, everything. And I had them in a bag. I called it mommy and daddy in a bag. And the Oak Ridge boys would go out on the road and sing. And I would get to my hotel room that day mm -hmm. and lay everything out on the bed and just go through it all. I see. Where, where I was with the book now, where am I? Mm -hmm. And then write a chapter. I, I, I wrote a chapter it. every single day. I said, my goal was to familiarize myself with all this great material that I've collected and that mm -hmm. my sister Nancy helped me collect and write a chapter every single day. And that's what I did till I got to the end. And then, of course, I reworked it and re like you do, you know, went back over. Because yeah. at first, what you do when you write is you just write. You just let it let it flow. Let it mm -hmm. flow. And you go back right. over Unedited. Say, well, you know, I could have wrote that better. And you write it better. Or, right. or that's terrible English. <laughs> and that's misspelled. <laughs> and that's terrible. And you go back and you fix it until a good editor, you know, puts a final touch on it. Not a right. bad editor, a good editor. <laughs> <laughs> we've got great editors. Oh, I know you do. You know, we've talked so long here. The sun's coming up now. And I see I keep bathing in sunlight here. So I'm <laughs> Should I move to another location here? No, you're good. We're, we're about to wrap it up. And you and I talked about um, praying over the families and yes, over our veterans and over our nation. Before we do that, to end today's podcast, I do want to remind everybody that you can look at the show notes to get the link to order G.I. Joe and Lily. You can download a free PDF preview of the book. And I'm giving away a copy, a digital copy of the book to one person in the Moms of Masterbooks Facebook group, as well as the Masterbooks app. So now, Joe, if you don't mind praying us out. Yes, ma'am, I'd be more than honored. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for Jennifer and for New Leaf and Masterbooks and for the incredible, incredible job that they are doing in presenting the gospel because it's so much needed in this day and age we live in. Lord, please help us. Please help us to see the light. Help us to see what Jesus Christ would have us do on a daily basis to make this country better, to make our lives better, and to make our future with you better. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your blessings. I thank you for my parents. We call them G.I. Joe and Lily in the book, but you have them now. You have Joseph S. Bonzel Sr. and Lily M. Bonzel. You have them in your care and in your arms. Thank them for what they have done. I thank you, God, for making them my parents and for blessing me with their lives and for encouraging me to try to do the right thing every day. I pray, Lord, for these parents at home that are homeschooling their children. Guide them, Lord. Give them the right tools necessary to bring their kids up in the way they should go. And we thank you, Father, for all of your blessings. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us today for the Master Books podcast. It was really fun to do this with you today. We hope that you'll take a moment and rank and review the podcast wherever you are listening or watching so that others can find it more easily. We loved having you here and we look forward to being with you on the next podcast. It comes out every other week, Mondays at 5 a.m. See you then.